host, Nicole Whitney, News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. And it's time, eyes wide open with Janessa and SJ. Let's bring Janessa on to reintroduce herself, her show, and what's up for today. Welcome back. Previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. Okay. We're going to try that again. We're just waiting for Janessa to dial back in. The audio, as you may have heard, was a little strange cutting out, and hopefully the audio is going to be better. Take two. Let's try that again. Janessa, do we have you on the board? I am here. Can you hear me this oh, time? Yeah, now you sound way better. You, you had a strange <laughs> alien line there before. All right. It's a do-over moment. Welcome back. Awesome. Well, <laughs> all of the tech has been off rails for me today, so no shocker. I was actually going to mention that, but you all just got to experience it for yourself. So now you see, now you know. <laughs> Um, I don't know what you caught, uh, in the first intro, but the plan was for SJ, (laughs) almost nothing. Okay. Fair enough. Well, I think you all, unless you're new here today for the first time are familiar with our intro. And if you're not, then I welcome you back next week to hear it all over, um, and get the full version. I am Janessa Finley Ford. I'm an empowerment coach. And I guide leaders, healers, and high achievers to turn their obstacles into opportunities, setbacks into success, and trials into triumph. Now, the plan was for me to be joined by SJ this morning, uh, or today, but this morning she woke up and her voice is really not showing up for her today. And so I encouraged her to take some time to heal, and that's what she's doing. So first of all, I just want to set the intention that as we all join in this Space, I'm air quoting space, as we connect our energy that we just send her some healing, some love, some prayers, intention, whatever that is for you. 
um, throughout the next 50 minutes that we're here together and support her so she can return um, for our next show and, you know, just feel better. That's what life is all about, having the best one experience at life that we get, making the most of it. Uh, So we are going to talk about going within today. And as always, before we dive into our topic, we're going to indulge you with a story. The story is fresh. It just happened to me yesterday. Welcome to my world. As I talk about technology not working so well for me, and I do love the story, too, of the seen and the unseen, the spiritual and the physical and how those worlds collide. There is something actually in your intro, Nicole, the whole bad connection completely has it escaping my mind at this moment. But um, anyway, I'll have to listen more closely next week because it perfectly describes what I experienced yesterday in this story. So you may know I love, 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 love to ride my motorcycle. It's one of my most favorite hobbies. And this time of year is always a twinge of bitter sorrowness because the bike is going to sit in the garage here in Nebraska. Winters are not warm. They're not friendly. And The longer I have my motorcycle, the more of a fair-weather rider I become. So yesterday was a beautiful day here. Windy, but beautiful. Cloudy, but beautiful. It was maybe 78, 80 degrees at the warmest. And I had a meeting to attend last night focused on inner freedom. Isn't that a liberation that we all deserve in this lifetime? And so I decided... I'm going to ride my motorcycle. It needs fuel. I'm taking it. I know it's going to be dark, which is not my favorite conditions to ride in, but it's probably the last evening that I am going to be able to take my motorcycle based upon the forecast and my threshold of cold that I don't love. So I set off on my journey. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with two-wheel mobiles, not all of them have gas gauges, mine included. I do have a gas light, and when the gas light comes on, I have to look at the mileage and keep track of the mileage because I have approximately 45 miles to get to a gas pump, which is really plenty unless you're riding in the middle of nowhere. I have never ran out of gas the whole time that I've had my motorcycle until yesterday. Dun, dun, dun. And so I'm on my way to get gas. There's not a gas station. Like, there there were a couple gas stations close to the path that I was riding, but I was strategically going to a certain destination because I wanted to get some treats to take to the meeting. Um, all Enneagram 1 efficiency. It's just not efficient to stop somewhere <laughs> to get gas on your way to get gas or to get things that you need when you can do it all in one spot, right? So my personality wins out. But let me tell you what, friends, it's not efficient to run out of gas either, right? So I ran out of gas, and I was probably two miles away from my destination, and (laughs) 
what do you do when you run out of gas? I'm like, huh, this is interesting. So in full disclosure, in a car I have ran out of gas before when I worked for the state, when I worked for probation, because with state vehicles, you can only get gas uh, gas at certain pumps and you have a specific fuel card, it's a long story. We shared cars, somebody took the car, didn't get fuel in it, and it had so little fuel I couldn't drive from the office to the fuel pump and I ran out of fuel in the car. So this has really only happened to me, never on my motorcycle, but it's been a really long time since I ran out of gas. And you feel, let me tell you, just a little bit more vulnerable when you're on a motorcycle when this happens. And I suppose conveniently, I ran out of gas at a light, a stoplight on a freeway, and I was able to move my motorcycle to the center of the island. Um, There was no, like, curb up onto the island, so I was able to just move it out of the roadway. And as soon as I ran out of gas, there was one car behind me, and I hopped off my bike, and I went back to the gentleman, and I was like, hey, I'm sorry, you're going to have to go around me. I just ran out of gas. And his response to me was, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that happen. And I'm like, huh, that's nice. I'm not sure that I expected that response. I think oftentimes when we back up traffic in rush hour traffic, it was also happening around like 5. 20, 5.30 yesterday, you know, we get really annoyed with the people that's holding up traffic. So I didn't expect him to be cordial and kind to me. I don't know what I expected, but that initial response really caught me off guard. And then he he paused, and I was turning, like, pulling out my phone to text someone, and uh he started to pull around and then he stopped and he's like, would you like a ride? And I was like, sure, I think I'll take a ride. Like this earth is full of earth angels. This situation could have gone in so many different ways. And so I'm like, let me move my bike. I can't leave it just right here in this turn lane. And he was going to help me move it like off to the side of the road. And I'm like, I think it's best if we just put it in the middle of the road and I can do that. So we moved the bike. He takes me to, I was like, can you just take me to um, a Costco? You guys have probably all heard of Costco. Costco wasn't super far. I have a couple friends that live really close to Costco. Costco has gas. <laughs> it has plenty of space for me to wander. I could have gotten food for dinner. I'm like, it's, it's a one all cover everything that I might need (laughs) until I get gas and get a container and get back to my bike. And the friends that I have in that area, they also have children and their children have activities. So I'm like, oh, I don't think I should probably call them. But my first call to my first friends, they're like, yes, I have a gas container. Yes, I have gas. Yes, I'll come get you. And I could not actually imagine a more pleasant experience of running out of gas (laughs) if I tried. And it didn't ruin my day, which ties into our topic of our inner world really does make up our outer world. Because there was a time when old Janessa, who was not so believing that the universe is working on her behalf and life is working on my behalf and all of the things that I now embrace in my mindset, would have gotten really, really flustered. And in fact, I can reflect back to the time I ran out of gas in that state car when my coworkers had um, 
you know, used the majority of the gas and didn't fill the tank, I was not impressed. <laughs> and it kind of did ruin my day. So that's what we're going to get into here today is the process of going within and why it's so important to be able to get familiar with our inner terrain and create an inner terrain that is supportive of us and supports having a beautiful, happy life. And fun fact, that state of the emotions and feelings and sensations that comes with our inner world and our inner landscape is actually what we experience as babies and as children. So at one point in time, it was very innate for us and it was very dominant. Um, before I go on further, I did say back when I was an alien that we are taking callers for this show. And I did have some feedback that people were confused, which shows we were taking callers or weren't taking callers. So please, by all means, if you're not sure, default to the fact that we are taking callers and just call in. We would love to connect with you, even if maybe that's not the original plan. doesn't matter. Um, but today, we are taking callers, and I appreciate the feedback, and I will, I intend to be very clear at the beginning of each show of whether or not we are welcoming callers on the show. So I welcome callers to experience some mindset work, some energy psychology, some healing, if that's supportive to you, if you want to jump in and talk about your inner terrain and going within and what that process has been like for you, I welcome that too. Um, but yes, to callers. So feel free to jump on the phone lines if you desire. Okay, so when we talk about going within, we're really talking about being courageous enough to see yourself for who you really are. It's being courageous enough to see yourself for who you really are, taking some time to slow down and to get to know you for who you are and not for the expectations of the world, uh, a family gathering that maybe you don't want to go to, but you agree to go to out of obligation because you think it's the right thing to do, but you don't even think through it and you just say yes and you just do the thing because that's what you've always done. Being really efficient and jumping on your motorcycle and intending to go get gas and treats all at the same place because that's the most efficient thing to do without really thinking through, do you have enough gas in your tank to make it? This is an interesting part of the story, though, too, that I didn't follow through and share all of. When I made it to the gas pump to get gas, the math did not math. Guys, remember how I said the physical and the spiritual and it all comes together? So the amount of gas that my friend brought me in their container, the total number of gallons that my tank holds, and what I put in the tank to fill it did not equate an empty tank. I should have had at maximum 30 more miles, at minimum 15 more miles. But I was out of gas. My motorcycle wouldn't move. So I found that really intriguing, especially when the event I was trying to make it to last night was inner freedom. And I had a pretty big breakthrough there yesterday evening about my own personal path and self-forgiveness and things that I've been holding on to. And so 
sometimes the spiritual just really, really comes into play in the physical and tries to prevent certain things from happening. Um, I would say (laughs) even being live on the show here this evening and the technical issues, same story. Uh, Nicole offered uh, whether or not we wanted to do a replay since I would be on alone, and I'm like, nope. I'm sure I can fill 55 minutes. We're going to do this live on the air. And then we had all the static. And last week, a church experience, same story. They got to a part of the, I don't know if you want to call it the sermon, but there is a challenge for people to, to grow and to take steps forward. And the mic cut out. Funny thing is, is the mic cut out in the same place in more than one service that was happening live. Like, it wasn't a recording. These these things I just don't believe are coincidence, you know? But that's my paradigm, that nothing is coincidence. And there's a lot more that makes up our human experience than simply what we can see. So the math didn't math with the motorcycle yesterday. I really believed I had enough gas to get to the gas tank, and then when I filled it up, I don't know. It just doesn't logically make any sense. So having an inner terrain that supports us, no matter what life brings our way, allows us to free ourselves from the internal angst that we can create. So we have old stories from past experiences And our brains actually work to recreate those experiences over and over and over again. So if you notice that you are, you know, having the same dynamic, let's say, in relationships, and you're the only common denominator in that relationship, and the pattern plays out every time, there's likely something within that you're recreating, something from the past that played out. We see this a lot in trauma structure. And so when we really get to know ourselves, we're able to interrupt those patterns of our brain and interrupt the energetic bindings that hold those patterns in place. But you have to explore that inner terrain with curiosity, really being open to what's going on in here why do I think the way I think? Why do I do the things I do? Is that really true? And we have to, like, really to be successful in doing that, it takes space. It takes time. And time is such a, in its own element, that we can live in stories how we don't have enough time. There's not enough hours in the day. (laughs) But really, we always have time for the things that we prioritize. And so we have to be really honest with ourselves so that we can start showing up for ourselves. If it's not a priority, then you're not going to do it. If it is a priority, you're absolutely going to do it. I had this conversation recently with a client who was actually deciding whether or not they wanted to move forward with booking a session and and getting started in the services, in my services or coaching services, and they had many other things on their plate. 
And so I simply ask, like, my job is to help people make the best decision for them, what's in their highest and greatest good. And I simply asked, well, what of those items has the greatest priority for you? And that was it. They're like, okay, nope. What time, what day? Booking. We always make time for the things that are our greatest priority. Being your own greatest priority is a gift that will keep on giving, literally, for the longest time. Now, the perspective that you hold about yourself is going to make it a lot easier to be curious with yourself as well, or it can make it more challenging to go within. So if we, you know, hold the truth or belief that we're, you know, ordinary Nothing exciting happens here. I don't really want to know if I'm a train wreck, I'm a hot mess, I'm, you know, the heaviest baggage out there in the world. It's going to feel really heavy to explore that which is going on within you. But if you hold the belief something to the extent that you are the most intriguing person that you know, it's going to be a lot easier to go within with that curiosity and be like, oh, you know, I'm so, it's so intriguing how I got to where I am. I wonder why. I wonder how. What does that look like? How did that come to be? And this is a pivotal part of my story personally because I used to think I was really uneventful and boring and I didn't think that there was much of interest in anything about me anything about my background my professional pursuit none of it and when I went to basic I was around very diverse group of people and no one shared my backstory and I was honestly quite surprised because I felt like my story was so common that there were a million of me out there. Now, my story might have been common three generations ago, but it's not so common today. It's not so common that a family has so much stability that five generations were raised on the same property in the same house. It's not so common for a country school to be a part of your education story because there's so few of them out there. It's just not so common. And so it took me realizing and also being fascinated with, you know, uh, someone whose parents were in an arranged marriage and then they were sent off to boarding school and looking at that family dynamic and how different that was from my own. Um, and, And there are a bunch of stories like that of the people I met there at BASIC, but that is really what started shifting my own story about myself was realizing that the traditions that my family had held and that I was raised in weren't nearly as common as what I thought. (laughs) And with the majority of people moving to metro areas as well, really changed the dynamic of the family. So what do you think of yourself to begin with? Are you really intrigued by the person you are? And I'm not talking about being egotistical, like there's not space for 
for ego in these conversations. I'm never pumping up the ego. But there is a sense of honoring ourselves in knowing that we are intriguing beings. Your story is only your story. No one else has your story. And if you're not fascinated by your story, if you're not intrigued by your story, other people aren't going to be either. So from a mindset belief system, ingrain within yourself, work from that belief that you are this intriguing, fascinating individual and you want to explore and know every nook and cranny of this person. And that will open a gateway to self-inquiry or going within. So as I said, you know, the self-inquiry process is really holding questions for yourself. Why do I do that? Why do I think that? What do I think about that? Especially, like, I use the family example of if you're invited to a family event, it may just be your default to accept you don't even think about it. Is that really what I want to do? What sensations do you feel in your body when you say yes to something that you don't actually want to do? What sensations do you feel in your body when you're super excited and thrilled to be doing something? The more that you know yourself, the more easily you're going to be able to align yourself with things that serve you and others, that serve others and you. Like, it's the giving and receiving all at the same time concept. Everyone is served by the fact that you are being the truest version of you that there is. And I I posted on social media last week. It wasn't my quote. I found um, a meme, but it talked about when you are the truest broadcast of yourself, people actually are drawn to that. They're drawn to that clarity. They're drawn to that truth. And this is one of the reasons well, there, I believe, is only one real reason that we avoid self-exploration, and that one reason is fear. And when you break fear down into some of the frequent ways it shows up, I believe one of the reasons is that we're afraid of what we're going to lose. We're afraid of what we perceive as a loss, if we know the reality of what's going on in our inner world, if what we truly want isn't what we actually have in our life right now. And our brain goes to lack. I talk about this all the time. Our brain is defaulted to see what is less than, what is missing, where the gap is. And so if the first thing we see is what we perceive as loss, should we grow, evolve, or expand, then we tend to get paralyzed in that fear and feel like what I know is safer than what I might lose if I move forward or if I change some things. And also, that fear of the unknown, I'm not sure what I'm going to find in there. 
I'm not sure what it's going to prompt me to do. And if it prompts me to do something and I can't ignore that intuition, I'm not sure what's going to shift around me. And I'm not sure the extent to which I might have loss. And the unknown can be crazy scary. And that fear can also stop us. Which really is another way of saying I don't trust myself to have the tools or to handle or to know what to do with what I find. And our, our unconscious mind takes that fear to the worst case scenario, the most dramatic extent. And people who work with me, I always end up laughing and having a lot of fun with the sessions because they realize how entertaining our brains really truly are. We conjure up all these stories about ourselves and life and what things mean. And so within that fear, our unconscious mind wants to keep us safe. It wants to keep us in our comfort zone. And so we feel like if we're not equipped to handle what we find, it's going to be living in a state of torture because we're not going to like ourselves or life or like whatever that equates for each individual person in their own unique version of that, however their brain tells them. And so they don't want to be tortured. And they're like, no, I'm good. I can stay really busy with work and school and kids' activities and cleaning the house and doing all of the things and walking the dog. And I don't think I want to take any moments for myself. I don't want to be tortured. Now, also, the unconscious mind is really a sneaky ninja. So you have to be in tune with yourself to begin with to even have this uh, rhetoric or storyline make your radar because the unconscious is underneath the surface. And these are the things we dig into in the sessions to really discover what is the truth of the truth. Um, So if you know what your story is about the fear that you hold around self-inquiry, I applaud you because you've already successfully accomplished a level of going within and learning yourself. Now, last of the four main reasons why I believe people avoid self-exploration is the fear of their response or their reaction especially if they have had any painful traumatic experiences in their life and they know that is buried deep down within. Sometimes it's just safer to leave it there. And they don't know how they're going to react or respond to what they find or what they see. And this was part of my own personal healing journey. Uh, When I first, first, very first started, I had repressed some memories in my childhood of an abuse that I had experienced or a violation, however you want to, whatever word. Um, Sometimes abuse seems a little extreme to me, yet if we're really being real, it is abuse of a human. So anyway, 
um, I reacted like that eight-year-old little girl. I was really uncomfortable, and I didn't know how to move beyond that. And I didn't have the tools that I have today. And so, I, you know, I went to therapy and did all the things that I could do. And I, for the longest time, carried that fear with me of, I don't want another, like, bomb dropped on me of remembering another something that's going to turn my world upside down. And so for any listeners out there, if that resonates with you, if that speaks to you, if that's part of your own story, please know that there are healing methods that are available so that you don't have to relive those emotions. You don't have to drop back into that knowingness of what happened to you or rebuilding that neural pathway. And then stay in that path of development from that young age while you're a grown adult. (laughs) There are tools to be able to integrate parts and support them in gaining all the knowledge and resources and everything that you are at this day today and quickly walk across that bridge from the age of the trauma occurred to where you currently are in your life today. And in fact, Tomorrow in the Stronger Together community, parts work is part of the um, community. It is our sole focus for this month in October within the Stronger Together community, and that's what the healing session is going to be focused on, is healing those parts, allowing them to move beyond that developmental um, stuntedness and have access to everything that you are today as an adult and all the tools that you have, all the resources you have, and not be in that younger, traumatic experience. It's a really beautiful and glorious thing, and it's incredibly freeing and liberating. So another area of going within that I want to point out, this came up in our recent Conscious Conflict Um, episode where we talked about hmm, whether or not conflict is comfortable. Uh, There's lots of goodies in that episode and things that you can easily start applying to your conversations, communication, and relationships right away. So if you haven't heard that episode already, of course, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But we started out that episode talking about what is conflict to you? And aligning your mindset with conflict being an opportunity versus conflict being something that is uncomfortable, long-lasting, dragged out, torturous. (laughs) And so exploring what words mean specifically to you is another amazing way of getting in touch with yourself and coming to know yourself on a deeper level. Um, Particularly, I mean, there are so many different areas. It's, yeah, I mean, this shows up in everyday life. We think within the English language, we can have a conversation and the words we use, like the words that I'm saying, like conscious conflict without defining that, that, All of you interpret it and understand it as I mean it. This is another huge area of communication where there's gaps and where communication goes off rails. 
while the other person holds a whole different definition of conflict or consciousness. And so while we think that we're speaking the same language and we're interpreting the information the exact same, we're actually not. And that can be because of the receiver. That can be because of us. We can say words that we know have a Webster's Dictionary definition, but to us, they actually mean something different. And we have to clear out the energetic bindings that give us a misdefinition to be able to think back up with the standard definition of the word. So let me put this into real life context so it really lands for you guys. This is something that I work with quite a bit, specifically in relationships. For people who have had broken relationships or divorce, specifically divorce, but also people whose parents were divorced, if they've had relationships that have ended poorly and they're really discouraged in their ability to partner a couple and have a long-term relationship. So we start exploring, you know, what, what does love mean to you? One client I worked with, their definition of love, I don't have it verbatim in front of me, but it was something about, you know, like love hurts. There's a lot of these sayings in our um, slang, our little sayings that we flippantly say that integrate into our unconscious and become a part of the definition of that word. Now, if your belief in love is that it hurts, your experience with love is going to be hurt because it's held in the unconscious. Not a lot of people explore that to see that for themselves. So what does this word mean to me is really powerful, powerful way to go within that also isn't doesn't have to be, some things might be really tender, but it doesn't have to be a really um, painful sticking point either. You can stay pretty objective in, oh, marriage. Marriage means that it is a ball and chain. It is final. It is sacrifice. It is hard. It is losing part of myself for the sake of keeping my commitment. (laughs) I hear all kinds of things about what marriage is. That has nothing to do with two people making a commitment to do life together. Um, On the topic of relationships, commitment is another great word to explore. Um, with that, and we're going to get into, we're going to do like a whole masterclass on air about decisions in the month of November, but commitment and decisions also aren't the same thing. And a lot of people find those to be synonymous. Just because you make a decision doesn't mean you've made a commitment. But what does commitment mean to you? To a lot of people, commitment can also mean it is final, it's a ball and chain, it's a drag, It's lack of freedom, it's confining, it's restraining, 
if this is your paradigm that you're entering into a relationship in, do you think that you're set up for success in any relationship? (laughs) And then looking at husband and wife, what you think those roles should do subconsciously, because a lot of what we see in our families growing up forms what we think those roles should do once you exchange the vows and step into that role. This year and this experience has been incredibly enlightening for me of all of my aberrant definitions or misdefinitions around, for me, it wasn't a wife, it was a dutiful wife. Like, oh, I can be a wife, I can be in a partnership, I can be committed to my husband, all that feels good. You put the word dutiful in front of wife and it takes on a whole different meaning for me, a whole different context. And this is where if we don't get curious with ourselves, we're not going to see where we're setting ourselves up for failure or for strife. And there's so much happening in our unconscious and our our brain's programming that if we don't lift the hood and go beneath the surface, it's going to continue to erode those dreams and desires that we have. And you're going to stay in that pattern and get really frustrated about why you're not moving forward in the way that you would like to be moving forward. Another common thing I see with individuals, (laughs) it comes up in consult calls, it comes up in sessions, it comes up all the time. It's so much easier to analyze someone else, right? Especially if we get into the relationship topic oh, yeah, this relationship didn't work out, but this person was this and this and this, and that person was that and that and that. And again, bringing it back to the common denominator. And the place that has influence is you. So how are you in that relationship? It's a lot harder for us to go into that self-analyzation than it is to observe the other person and to analyze them. And the more that you train yourself to get curious about yourself, the stronger your connection is going to be with yourself. All right, we have a question here from Emma in New York. Emma, thank you for listening. Thanks for writing in. What can I do to feel more centered and calm at the core of my heart? I always feel like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, and you just can't shake it. (sighs) This is a great question, and I feel like there are so many people out there that are living their own version of this and can really relate to this. So I appreciate you sending this question in. And I think, first of all, reflecting upon your history in general. Have you been in a situation or circumstance or in your household growing up when you were really young? Because that's when a lot of the inner programming, as we always mention, gets locked into place. Were you in an environment where things were a negative thing after a negative thing after a negative thing happening and it didn't really seem like positive things happened? 
This can also be a dynamic that ne not necessarily negative things were happening, but maybe your parents didn't celebrate the good things. Maybe there were the constant um, parenting strategy of trying to coach you along on the things that needed improved. And so you are never taught to be okay, no matter what was happening around you. Like you were enough. So I would start looking at what is your history? What did you experience? What messages did you take from your childhood home or from pivotal points in your life? And then also with that, that other shoe, waiting for that to drop, oftentimes we link together pleasure and pain. I wanted to say good and bad, that's such Enneagram one language, but that's also relevant here. So if something good happens, we expect something bad to happen also. Or if you've gone, like I said, if you've gone through a sequence of a whole bunch of things, happening where it's just been a negative event after a negative event after a negative event, it becomes like bracing for impact on a flight <laughs> in life. Like every day it's like, what bad is going to happen next? And I found myself doing this last year. And when that happened, I, I, when I had the realization, I'm like, no, there's so much more to life than this. And all of these things are falling away. Like it might feel like things are falling apart, but they're falling into place. I am just going to believe that if this many painful things happen in sequence, there is a bigger purpose that I just can't see the whole picture yet. And everything is falling into place. So again, because our external world reflects our internal world, what beliefs can you start to work with, affirmations that will build those beliefs, using tapping to tap in those beliefs, or whatever methods you have available to you, to lock in these core beliefs that you live by. Because once it's in your inner terrain, you're going to see it in your outer terrain. And then as far as being able to bring yourself to be calm, centered, fully present in your heart space. I don't know if you have a daily practice of that. Taking some deep breaths, like everyone out there listening, now is a great time. Let's take three really deep breaths together. I want them to be belly breaths where you feel your stomach extend until you can't breathe in any further. And then breathe in just a little bit more and let your lungs, your chest, your belly stretch. And then exhale. And another deep breath, all the way in, as far as you can go. And then just a bit further and let it out slowly. Last one, really deep breath, 
Relax your belly, fill it with air. Let your chest expand. And when you get as full as you think you can be, breathe in just a bit more and let it out to a count of eight. Three, four, five, six, seven, And with your nervous system calm, SJ would teach us if she were on this call to go to what is called the God spot in her modality, which is in your heart center, just below your heart. Base of I am, I am enough, I am whole, I am love, I am peace, I am calm. I am all that I need to be, I am joy, I'm happy. And just simply, this takes, what, like two minutes? Building that into your daily practice of just beginning to have two minutes of that centered, calm, peace at the core of your being. Knowing that you as a human, you that you are, is enough is going to help start to build that different inner terrain where things won't feel so unsteady and so shifty external of you. And then when you run out of gas and you don't freak out when you would have freaked out in the past, (laughs) you'll see that just a few minutes can do a whole lot of good without going into deeper healing of what if anything may have happened or if there's just a phobia, just some unconscious beliefs that aren't working for you, that is where I would encourage you to start. And I hope that serves you and I hope that helps. And I hope that all of you out there listening feel a little calmer, a little lighter. Emily in Toronto You asked the question, I feel like negative entities are attacking me. What can I do? So we only have a couple minutes left. And this question, I feel like can have several different um, approaches and angles. Prayer aligns for you. Prayer is a great way to call in and invoke spiritual protection. Um, I have been told by some spiritual, I would call them leaders, that saying it out loud versus in your head makes a big difference. So also establishing your domain. Um, If you have muscle testing or pendulum, if that's in your toolkit, Um, I think that it would be really helpful for you to see whether or not your energy field is blowing. Um, If you're vulnerable, your energy field is vulnerable, then negative energies or entities can invade your space. So that's where I would tell you to start. And then for some people, you know, it's like, Envision yourself taking a shower with star energy and just cleansing spiritual 
uh, whatever energy connects to you with that. And they will feel a lot better. In fact, I had someone last week that used that in a very unexpected situation they experienced, and it made a world of difference for them. So thank you, Emily, in Toronto for your question as well. So as we move here to the top of the hour, um, I do want to share shameless plug. Tomorrow in the Stronger Together community, as I mentioned, we will have another hour-long healing session that starts at 7 p.m. if you're interested in coming into that community where you get two healing sessions every month, one coaching call, and a platform of over uh, 17 courses now. Um, including pendulum, muscle testing, a lot of the things that we talk about here, connecting with your God spot, um, you can reach out to me, www.fiercelyradiantsoul.com, and I'd be happy to get the information to you. If you are curious about exploring one-on-one coaching and healing, you can also reach out to me, um, Facebook, Fiercely Radiant Soul, Instagram, fiercely underscore radiant underscore soul, um, my email is fiercelyradiantsoul at yahoo.com. You can reach out to me in any of those ways. I would love to set up a consult call and explore what it is that you would like to create or have or achieve and how we will quickly and easily get you there. Um, next week, it is my plan to have a guest. Also, next Wednesday is my birthday, so I hope you can all make it back here next Wednesday to celebrate with me. And until then, friends, keep your eyes wide open. Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.